everyone. Hello and welcome to Breaking Ground on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon, the show where we chat to industry experts to get a view on what's happening on the ground and what new trends are emerging within the construction industry. This show is brought to you in partnership with Place Engage, a data-driven, par- a data-driven platform for more successful public consultation and community engagement for your next development project. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Mike Ashcroft, founder, and Simon Herrod, head of international at Estimate One. Uh, Simon and Mike, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Carol. No problem at all. Um, Mike, you might just tell us a little bit about Estimate One for anybody who isn't familiar. Sure thing. Um, so I guess the, the elevator pitch Estimate One is uh, we're a digital tool for estimators and quantity surveyors to better manage their supply chain uh, and inquiries process throughout tender and procurement. Um, so I, I, I used to be an estimator and that was um, this was one of the more painful and uh, disappointing aspects <laughs> of my job was trying to manage uh, that inquiries process Back when we started Estimate One, um, it looked a lot different to what it looks like now. It used to be you know, calling hundreds of subcontractors, sending out faxes, if anyone remembers what that that thing is, uh, so having to send out faxes and printed sets of plans and documentation in the post to subcontractors and suppliers. Uh, and so really, this, this company that we've built was about um, solving the the unpalatable parts of my own first job. <laughs> well, look, that's, that that's always that's always a great route when you hear a founder actually addressing challenges that they've experienced themselves within the industry. Um, now, you're both yeah. joining me from Australia today. So I'm your Melbourne and uh, Mike, you're um, on Phillip Island, just uh, a little away from uh, Melbourne. You might just mm-hmm. talk to us um, about how the tendering process works in different jurisdictions, because, of course, your technology is being used across Ireland and the UK, but across different jurisdictions, I assume there are there are regional differences in terms of tendering and also the rules around tendering, because it's become a very onerous area. Mm, uh, I think... Yeah, oh, sorry, Mike. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, uh, I think the part of the appeal of... Um, our, our business expanding internationally was just the, the fact that a lot of the problems and the processes are quite homogeneous despite the different geographies. Um, and so while there's some idiosyncratic, idiosyncratic differences uh, market to market, they're kind of minor things and they're relative. The actual big chunky bits of all of these processes are, are mostly the same and perhaps unsurprisingly, the problem set that exists uh, market to market is actually quite similar as well. But actually, um, sorry, Sim, I cut you off there. Yeah. No, you're fine. Actually, I'd love to learn a little bit more about some of the common challenges because I know what the challenges faced by um, the construction industry here in Ireland is. And and by the way, they can be different for public and private procurement, but I'm interested to mm. hear, you know, some of the common challenges globally. Mm, well, I, I think, uh, as Mike says, that they are very similar problems and one of the primary things that Estimate One looks to address is just removing the lower value parts of an estimated role. So doing things in email, doing things in Excel, doing things in file share systems that aren't designed for the industry is is a problem that's being faced in Australia, certainly, but also in the UK and Ireland. And funnily enough, how we actually started in the Irish market was an estimator called Tim Bailey, um, who became an estimator at JJ Radigan, had been in Australia 
using estimate one at a, a tier one called CPB over here and basically gave me a call and said, look, I've moved back to Ireland after COVID. I, uh, I'm facing the same problems that I was facing when I was in Australia that you were solving for me. Do you want to get that, get set up here? So that's uh, exactly what we went on to do. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you are not the first international uh, construction technology company that we've interviewed here that have credited a connection with JJ Rashkin bringing them into the Irish market. So they seem to be very forward thinking in terms of the technology, adopting technology that isn't already um, uh, at play in the Irish marketplace. So that's a really interesting mm. one to hear. Um, so in terms of the trends you're seeing, because right now, um, you know, we actually just saw in the last week, uh, Turner and Townsend globally released their uh, Irish construction um their latest or sorry global construction data and you know we can see that construction markets right across the globe but let's just focus on the uk and ireland are really under pressure at the moment in terms of not just inflation and and material costs but labor costs i mean there's pressure coming from all directions how is that being managed i don't want to say mitigated but even managed um through the tendering process right now Mm. Well, yeah, it's definitely something that we've experienced in in Australia as well. And I think in the current market with labor shortages, I guess part of our new new part of our product offering is the importance of a main contractor not only using a system like Estimate One to manage their existing relationships with their supply chain, but also find new ways to connect with new subcontractors, you know, with subcontractors and suppliers going out of business. It's really important to continue to make connections and not just rely on the supply chain that you have those relationships with, but proactively go out and say, how can we defend our position in the market, continue to get good margins. And a great way of doing that is connecting with new subcontractors. And um, that's part of our offering is to actually engage with Estimate One's network of subcontractors that can support you in those challenging times. Um, I would imagine that this is somewhere where there are some specific regional differences. So, for example, you know, one of the criticisms we've been hearing for many years um, as the construction industry, particularly in Ireland, has come under increasing pressure is that, you know, there's there's uh, maybe a lack of maturity across the supply chain. But there's also a lack of scale and size because of the size of the marketplace. And that has a that has a very real challenge to it in terms of you know when you go to grow your supply chain it's difficult to do that you almost need to be eating into somebody else's supply chain and that's really that that's a problem um you know so actually where does where does estimate one address that or how does it address that yeah so the way that we address that is that you know first and foremost uh, a main contractor or m e contractor using the tendering platform you know, we want them to have these long-standing relationships with their subcontractors where they can see who is rewarding them with quotes and, you know, who should be awarded contracts. But a part of this new offering is to say, look, we, let's say we're working in a new region or a new sector that we've pivoted into, pivoted into post-COVID. How do we go and find that supply chain, you know, and that's something that Estimate One offers. So allowing them to have new subcontractors reach out to them and request the price work. And basically just you know kickstart that that fuel in the fire of a relationship that might then go on and last for 10 20 years very good um you know yeah. I, I um I, again you know given the the challenges that exist at the moment you know what we're seeing what we're seeing at the moment is an upscaling of 
contractors, but maybe, you know, in terms of adopting technology and, and trying to do things in a more efficient way and a more cost effective way, because I, I think maybe outside of the industry, there's a lack of understanding at just how tight the margins in construction really are. And it just means that um, anything that can improve effectiveness and efficiency will be considered in terms of technology. And that's across the main contractors and the specialist contractors like the m and &E, uh, and others that you reference. But across the supply chain, you know, maybe their level of, of tech adoption is not so high. So, uh, you know, do, do you require the, the clients that you're serving, the supply chain that you're bringing in, do they need to be fairly well advanced in terms of digital transformation of their own businesses? No, so I think part of Estimate One's success from a, a subcontractor and supplier perspective is the ease of how easy the platform is to use, for, for want of a better word. We make it very straightforward for them to both manage their existing inquiries that they're receiving from main contractors and also go to look for those new opportunities that can help them. And part of that is the ability to allow them to, I guess, profile themselves to a new main contractor. So when they're going through that upskilling process that you mentioned, demonstrate the work that they've done previously, their key credentials that will make it an easier decision for a main contractor to then go accept that requested price on a job. So it's um it's definitely something we're conscious of. And in Australia as well, we saw post-COVID the amount of residential subcontractors, for example, stepping into commercial or into new sectors to really, I guess, um, secure their future position um, by diversifying. And that's been um, something that we want to support in the market. Very good. And actually, it's something we have seen very much over the last decade in the Irish market, you know, this growth of um, companies diversifying into areas like data centers and others maybe that just wouldn't have been an option 10 or 15 years ago. And now they've, they've really doubled down and it's been, uh, you know, it's led to significant growth particularly, you know, for those companies uh, who are operating outside of the Irish market. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's certainly an interesting time. And um, Mike, when you talked about your reasons for founding Estimate One, you know, you, you mentioned yeah. that your own frustrations and how things have changed. Now, I, I, I'm sure a lot is different, but possibly much has stayed the same as well. Um, I, I recently interviewed uh, the head of a cost consultancy who talked about how different relationships were now, um, you know, in terms of not just winning, but maintaining contracts as well, you know, that maybe 15, 20, 25 years ago, it would be primarily relationship based. And that's, you know, relationships are maybe not the primary driver now. Can you talk a little bit about how you've seen that evolve over the past number of decades? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think ultimately construction is always going to be a relationship-driven uh, industry, right? Like, I mean, it's still human beings that turn up to construct the buildings and they're the ones that are there managing the process and that sort of thing. So I, I but I, I certainly take the point, I mean, the, the nature of communication between parties is substantially different to what it was, right? So I think there's probably less less phone calls, less face-to-face, -face, less less of that sort of high-touch um, kind of relationship management, but um, more focused now probably on the digital um, back and forth. But, you know, it's something that we continually um, put to our own head contractors, especially in Australia, is like, look, it's important to not forget that there's a human being on both sides of this these exchanges. And so 
what we're trying to do is actually make it make the whole process of communicating information between both parties more efficient but then also actually providing through through kind of capturing data and this sort of thing is actually provide you with better insight about how the relationship is actually going um, so that you can have more productive conversations with um, your supply chain when you do have them because um, I think there's been there's often these um, kind of anecdotal back and forth. Oh, you never give me a job, and I you, know, you stop pricing for me, and all these sorts of things. And those sorts of things, when you actually sit down and have a conversation about it, when you have um, data about how the relationship is actually going, you can actually have a proper conversation with them. It's like, okay, well, you've only priced three jobs, only one, one of those, so therefore, you know, all that. So it's it just provides a lot more colour to the picture and I think that, that provides the opportunity to actually have um, better relationship management provided you actually use this information um, in in the right way, the way it's intended. Yeah, that's, mm. that's, an, that's an interesting perspective on it. Um, in terms of uh, resistance, you know, why? what would be the points of resistance? You know, why would people not be using your technology? Um, and, and the reason I ask this question is because we know that the construction industry is is often criticised being about being a laggard in terms of adopting technology, but actually on the ground, my experience is not that they're laggards. It's usually because they've invested very, very heavily, maybe over the past decade, and they can be confused about um, integrations and and how things fit together and work together, or there can be a confusion if there appears to be some overlap in terms of function. So when you're going out and meeting, well, I suppose, actually, let's start with the first part of that question. When you're meeting new potential clients, contractors, specialist contractors, um, where are they in terms of their uh, tech adoption journey? Yeah, it's um, obviously it varies between customer to customer because we service, you know, the tier ones in the market down to, you know, small, medium-sized businesses. So I think it's going to depend on the customer to some extent where they are in that journey. I think from an Irish perspective, um, everyone I've met has, has been fairly far along in terms of digital adoption. I certainly wouldn't say that they're laggards in, in any way, shape or form. I think typically people have a sense that using a system can mean using email and using Dropbox or file share. Um, and that's part of the, the challenge that we face, that they have a sense that they do have a system for tendering or for procurement. But in our eyes, it's, I guess, a manual process when you compare it to something like Estimate One or a, an e-tendering solution. So that's, I guess, the real challenge to, to get in the door. And um, especially for estimators who have done something like Mike would have been 15 years ago before he came up with the idea, doing something a certain way and, and just showing them that there's there's value to be gained there. You know, again, this always comes down to, you know, you know, we talked about how the margins in construction are very tight, but actually, you know, we work across uh, the prop tech space as well. So helping, you know, real estate companies maybe on the uh, on the other side of the transaction uh, adopt technology and the margins are not as tight there. So actually they can be, not as good customers in a way where it's actually with construction if you can make the business case for it um then actually there's there's an imperative on the company to achieve savings to achieve time savings to achieve savings on program so actually the business case really is what is, is the differentiator in terms of a construction technology provider winning the trust for a test 
pilot a project case or a, something like that so in terms of the business case for estimate one are you able to prove uh, <coughs> you know the saving in terms of labor hours time cost you know what's the business case you're putting forward yeah so so very much that so the the time saved in both the inquiry process itself as well as the managing of of trade packages and then also sort of downstream once those inquiries are in market the amount of time saved in tracking responses you know with email and file share you have no oversight into who's downloaded documents which set of documentation they're pricing off if they're going to be quoting and i think to your point before on challenges that we we've brought in a free trial in ireland and the uk which isn't something that we offer in australia because it's amazing that sort of after seeing the demonstration you know you might find that resistance of you know are we going to see that value immediately and it's hard to sort of quantify it in your own business but as soon as they start that trial period and they can feel for themselves the time saved in that process then it's um it's a greatly different perspective yeah. once you've uh once you've done it a couple of times yeah yeah i, re I reckon i'd just add add to that um <clears throat> it's one of those things where i think in australia we probably and i think this the same thing will happen in in ireland is like we kind of get get you interested and on board with the the efficiency right like we kind of lure you in with the efficiency promise which you kind of have this operational imperative to actually do that under all circumstances in a, a low margin um, business but then once you start using it actually what keeps you in it is this ability to control risk throughout the process in a much more sophisticated way and then having that access to um, the network when you need additional coverage um, which is usually directly descendant from some insight that you've got throughout the, pr the risk management process. Um, and so that's, I think, you know, we kind of, you know, when you're, you're dating someone, it's like, oh, you, like, you get them in with the good looks and then you, you keep them with a great personality. I think the risk management is the great personality and the, the good looks of the efficiency. Well, it, it, it's good to know you have the, the whole package there for, at Estimate One, so that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, one of the questions, whenever I'm interviewing, say, construction leaders, I, I always ask right. them, you know, what what is the business of construction? Because actually, I, I think the business of construction is really poorly understood outside of those in construction. And so when I ask the question at a really simple level, I generally get one of two answers. You know, I either get... It's about people. So if we can get the right people, then they go out and build. So actually for a main contractor, it's all about getting the people, the skills and making sure they retain the best people and keep them upskilled to the highest level. And after that, the people take care of the project. But if not the people, the second most common answer I get is it's about de-risking projects because all construction inherently, it, it's a very risky business and uh, property development is a riskier business and property developers manage that by loading as much risk onto the contractors uh, as possible. So actually then the contractor's business becomes about de-risking. And that's that's a, a challenge that has become, you know, in a, in it has become much more onerous in the past number of decades. And, you know, contract negotiations are less about price and program and more about shuffling risk to try to get that balance. And I would say in Ireland, we probably haven't done that balance. We haven't gotten that balance very well. I think main contractors were carrying an inordinate uh, ratio of risk. And that's something they're only now trying to get to grips with, which actually is feeding into costs. But it's never 
it's never one of the issues that comes up when we talk about increasing costs. But we know contractors trying to rebalance that sharing of risk is a huge problem. So in terms, so for, for any main contractors or, or um, specialist contractors listening in today, can you maybe just dig a little bit deeper or share a little bit more about how using estimate one can actually help de-risk the project? Because access to, to subcontractors is, is another issue, but it's almost a secondary issue at that point. It's a good question, I think. Um, and look, I don't think, Risk balance in head contracts is uh, something that you could we could spend three weeks debating and probably still not get a good answer on. Um, but I think you know we've we've seen this in Australia too. So you need you need to have confidence to your first part, which is assembling a team. Right, effectively that's what you're doing um, during a, a, a bid process. You're trying to get two things. One is you're trying to get price signals that you have confidence in. And usually the confidence in the price signal comes from who is providing the price. Um, and so what we're trying to manage, uh, I guess, in this ten, throughout the tender process, right, is kind of creating as much confidence in the decisions that a main contractor is making that they have assembled the right team at the right price. Um, and I guess it's, it's easy to observe when you get that wrong um, because – and, and most main contractors probably globally for the last two years have been getting price absolutely wrong, um, largely as a, as a consequence of this um, risk kind of sandwich that they're all being forced to eat, which is basically just full risk transfer uh, to the main contractor. I think the, the price stuff is kind of leveling out. And so now what we're looking for again is, I guess, coming back to that original concept which is like how do i manage all the risks that i can observe um and the challenge with a lot of this stuff is if you're not even observing the risk then you you can't manage it properly and i think that that's where this supply chain risk can really bite you um is because you don't know what you don't know right yeah um so I, I hope that's answered your question, but I think it has. Well, I I I think that this is kind of an ongoing huge challenge for the industry, and I think that I I don't know is it ever one that's going to be settled. I think there will always be the pushback of the different parties because again, I I believe at its core the business of construction. Yes, it's about people, but mm -hmm. actually it is about uh, de-risking a project in order to to make it viable, to be able to deliver it, and. Uh, if we push too far in any direction, then actually this is this is where we see kind of the institutional failures. It's where we see the big companies fall down. And that's a threat. If, if it's one big company, as we've seen in the UK, if it's one big company, then that's a threat to the entire ecosystem. So actually, we don't want mm -hmm. that. It's not about pushing as far as you can go. It's about getting the balance that makes the industry sustainable. And sometimes that's bigger than any one organization. Um, so I, I think that that's kind of an ongoing conversation that will be happening. And look, I, I am conscious um, of your time. Thank you both so much for joining me today. But I just have one final question, just because it's one that actually the construction and in, like individual contractors within the construction industry are tackling um, in Ireland right now. And that is, you know, we, we speak to main contractors who might be primarily focused on the Dublin and uh, greater Dublin area. And they they win a big contract in, you know, maybe Tipperary or in Cork or somewhere across the Munster region. And they don't have 
that established supply chain there. They're going in. And again, as I mentioned at the start, our supply chain is not expanding at the rate that construction is expanding, which means if you're trying to to tap into a supply chain, you're almost inevitably going in to eat somebody else's lunch or going in to take somebody else's mega. Like how do what can we do to actually grow this supply chain so that there is more for everybody? Like that there's greater access. What can we do to help the supply chain develop and, and bring them along with us? Mm. Well, I, I think that's part of that for us is making sure that we can, uh, as part of our offering, provide main contractors who are looking to price in new regions and new sectors, just have information available to them of the subcontractors in that area who are actively looking to price. And it's, you know, it's not eating someone else's lunch. It's that that subcontractor is there and, you know, wants to proactively win more work to shore up their business and, and grow their business ultimately. And without a place to make those connections, it's very difficult for for everyone to go and, and build where they want to build. So whether it's, you know, someone wanting to build a data center in Germany or outside of Ireland or in the UK, I think having a system in place that isn't just Google Concreter in Tipperary, um, you've actually got a place that you can find this subcontractor who wants to be connected with and wants to build new relationships with main contractors who are looking to to do better things. Yeah, I, I think that's a really compelling point for contractors. Looking at the challenges we see that, that we're hearing about on a daily basis. In fact, um, after I finish this interview, the first thing I'll be doing is writing a press release about a main contractor who has won a, a large contract in a new region. And this is not about building brand awareness. It's not about um, even highlighting their win. They're actually doing an active call out to the supply chain locally saying, hey, we need you. Come talk to us. Um, and I don't think 10 years ago the the route to doing that would have been to issue a press release in the local media. And yet that's that's what's on my channel. Well, Carol, s- send them our way. We'll be more than happy <laughs> to help. Good, good. So look- they need, to, need an estimate one account too. And maybe uh, maybe a copy of this too. Oh, I like it. <laughs> we, we like we like our key cab. It, it will all be grand. I I like I like that you have the, the manual for doing business in Ireland at your hand. That's a very important one, Mike. So listen, guys, thank you so much. You might not be uh, just solving our clients' problems. You might be solving some of ours too. So that's good to know. Listen, thank you so much. It was great to chat to you both today. And I appreciate while I'm at the start of my work day, you're both uh probably beyond the end of yours. So thank you so much for being so obliging with your time. I appreciate it. And that's all we've time for today. My thanks to Mike Ashcroft, founder, and Simon Herrett, head of international at at, uh, Estimate One. And also my thanks to show producer Katie Tallon and to the production team at Hear Me Roar Media. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out all other real estate and construction shows on iProperty Radio. Before we go, just a special word of thanks to our sponsor, Place Engage, for supporting our podcast and making these conversations possible. And thank you indeed for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of Breaking Ground on iProperty Radio.